thank you very much for the introduction, Deb. And likewise, thank you all for taking the time to attend today. And I look forward to showing you some of the things that you can accomplish with the Kyogen Biomedical Knowledge Base. I do have the obligatory disclaimer, research use only, please. I also have the heads up that any kind of Kyogen software license from Kyogen Digital Insights comes with training. So if you need any help with IPA, with Omicsoft, or especially with BKB as you're getting started, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've put my email address here, but you can also always email tech support, or uh, for that matter, uh, you can also uh, bug my team lead, Dev, who is uh, currently on today's call. For the training, again, thank you all for taking the time to fill out the feedback. I'm actually really impressed that there are many of you who are new to IPA on today's call. So I look forward to showing you a little bit about what the data is underneath IPA. Likewise, I can see that many of you are very interested in knowledge graphs and also uh, AI-driven approaches. So during today's talk, if you have any questions, any other feedback, please throw any questions in the Q&A box. Uh, we are actively monitoring during that, I am joined by my fellow scientists, Dev and Tim. And then also, the recording is available to watch as soon as it's done uploading to Zoom. Specifically, after the training is completed, you can always re-click the registration link that you use to sign up for today's training, just in case that link is here. You might have to fill in the information one more time, but that will give you pretty much immediate access to the recording for about 30 days. And then uh, by that time, we will have put the uh, full recording on the uh, Kyogen Bioinformatics website. So just to kind of start with, Kyogen very carefully curates uh, research findings. We curate omics data for Omicsoft. We curate variants for uh, HSMD. And we also curate relationships uh, for ingenuity pathway analysis. And it turns out that we've been doing this for over 20 years. We take the time to continuously scour the literature to look at new journal articles and update those relationships on a weekly basis. Or we update our databases, say clinical trials, uh, on a uh, quarterly basis. And all of that data is essentially a set of scientists who look at papers, and they try to extract discrete findings. And what do I mean by a discrete finding? Usually it's an experimental result or conclusion where based on the assay performed by the original authors, they found a connection between two things. Uh, in this case, I'm highlighting EGF and EGF receptor. And those relationships can be characterized by what tissue or primary cell type they were obtained in. Uh, the finding can be characterized by what the interaction was. Was it physical? Was it a protein-protein contact? Or was it more indirect, like a causation? And then in addition, we also have the ability to then store that directional information and use that to construct essentially uh, networks. And so here, I'm showing an example of a network in IPA 
where we are showing what happens when you simulate an increase of this drug. And when you add this drug to this network, we're able to look at the consequences downstream because of those directional findings. And we can see that when EGFR is down, its downstream targets should also be down. And then we see a mixture of decreasing and increasing disease activity or cellular functions. What I haven't mentioned is that all of this data, all of that curation has a name and that name is the Kyogen Biomedical Knowledge Base. Something that we've only recently made available is the data underlying IPA. And with that, not only are we providing access to the data, we're also providing a number of utilities and different ways to integrate that data into whatever workflow you have. All of this information is extremely comprehensive. And as you can imagine, we've spent a lot of time coming up with uh, a hierarchy, a set of ontologies that help describe all of the various things that I'm showing on screen, whether it's different uh, genes, chemicals, drugs, gene products like proteins or RNAs. Those uh, are something that we call molecules in uh, ingenuity, as well as BKB. Likewise, these molecules can interact with anything on screen. Uh, they can lead to changes in disease function. They can lead to changes in biological function, uh, the phenotypes that the cells uh, experience when a gene goes up or down. And then we can also see how this might affect or influence things like uh, what uh, part of the cell or what part of the tissue that they're found in, uh, whether it's the subcellular location, uh, the tissue or primary cells, the biofluid. And then there are, of course, going to be other pieces of information like uh, toxicology or how this might affect our curated canonical pathways. In addition to all of these, we have all of the relationships and all of the different ways to access that underlying data in that set hierarchy. And the way that we do that uh, is we provide both Python and R packages that let you access that data. And you can access that data uh, a number of different ways. If you want to have a local copy or you want to have the ability to really comprehensively or recursively search the knowledge base, you can always access that data by downloading a SQL database. Uh, we provide uh, prepackaged SQLite data, but you can also use our scripts to uh, generate other SQL databases. We provide the entire knowledge base as a, Neo J, a Neo4j knowledge graph. So that is already exported and ready for you to load and implement. Or if you would prefer, we have functions that let you export slices of the network and create your own knowledge graphs. And finally, if all you really want is the data, we provide flat files for download, which means that we're providing the cleanest data possible for you to train uh, any kind of machine learning model that you have in the works. However, not everyone needs access to the entire biomedical knowledge base. 
And for those of you, we also have uh, a far more flexible API. And this API will allow you within Python or R to send SQL queries to our server. And that way, the resulting data frames that you request back, uh, we're able to help minimize the amount of data that you're transferring and also ensuring that you just take exactly what you need out of BKB. And once you have that slice of data, you can then analyze that to your heart's content. Just make sure that you save it. And then finally, because this is Python or R, we also have a number of built-in functions. So in addition to SQL, we also have uh, some baked in uh, additional features, such as the ability to perform various causal uh, analyses or uh, a number of different network export options, which I'll show today. And finally, it's also possible to use BKB and integrate it with IPA. And that can be a particularly powerful option for those of you who are just getting started or also for those of you who want to use BKB as a power user to essentially browse and build networks within IPA. So today, essentially what I'm going to show you is just a series of uh, quick topics. In particular, I want to start by showing you what is BKB, what is the documentation, how do you access it, and how do you get connected either via that API or a local database connection. The main part of the examples is going to focus either on using the API to explore the metadata and build uh, those networks from scratch, or it's going to focus on some of the more powerful causal analytics tools which require a database connection. And these uh, particular examples will be uh, essentially performing an analysis on a set of uh, genes that we identify in the first half. And then the final thing I'll mention is that, uh, as you can imagine, this is a really incredible tool. And I am just a bench biologist who happens to know a little bit of scripting. So something that I want to mention is that there's a ton more that's possible if you give this tool to the right person. So with that, I'm going to start by just giving a quick introduction to what is BKB. So something that uh, should be available in the chat is a link to a PDF of today's Jupyter Notebook. And here, I've essentially provided this uh, in Python. And this can show different ways that you can access uh, and obtain the information within. Here, just to make sure that uh, this is available, I am pasting links in the chat just to everyone's email address, but also importantly, a link to the documentation schema and query examples. And this is something that you'll be able to access once you have a license. If you are a licensed user, Essentially, you'll be able to log in to the Kyogen Digital Insights webpage. And this is where you can see all of the various data products that you subscribe to. In my case, because I happen to work here, I have a lot of fun tools, such as the Omicsoft APIs, uh, as well as access to a ton of different variant databases. But today, we're talking about biomedical knowledge base. 
So the Kyogen biomedical knowledge base is available as a number of packages. In particular, we have these packages available in both Python as well as R. And then we also provide quite a few different options to download or access the database if you scroll down. So in particular, if you just want to have a local copy of an SQL database, this SQLite database, uh, once you unzip uh, it, will generally be what we recommend for getting started. And this is what I'll use for uh, today's talk. In addition, we provide scripts to help you uh, generate your own SQL databases out of subslices. We have a REST API if you happen to be building your own web tools. And then finally, for those of you who use knowledge graphs, this is a knowledge graph database export that's ready to go. But again, finally, if you would rather download the individual tables, you can either download the individual uh, text dumps, or you can download just a combined flat file archive. But importantly on this page, we have the documentation, we have the current release statistics, and then we also have these really useful links at the top, which I'm going to go ahead and open up in reverse order. So here, we have the schema and data dictionary, and then we also have a number of tutorials, whether it's uh, example notebooks or query examples. And then finally, I'm gonna go ahead and just click to download and open this documentation, just to make sure that we have this available. The overall layout of the network is provided in this schema and data dictionary. And something that is handy is that this is actually interactive. So if at any point you are interested in looking at, say, uh, what are molecule-molecule contacts, in this case, how do genes interact with each other, or how do a protein uh, potentially interact with a drug or a chemical? You can find those in either this relationship table, the molecule-molecule relationships, or also in this aggregated relationships table, which provides higher level data so you don't have to necessarily delve deep into the underlying findings. And if you are interested in opening any of those examples, you can then click on them to find the table below and this will help you find examples of what kinds of names do we have in these databases? And also, what are the values for all of these metadata fields? For example, in the relationship type, you can see that we have a number of different kinds of data uh, describing how different genes or proteins or molecules can interact with each other. All of this information is stored in either a directional or non-directional format. And if it is directional, uh, we will also annotate whether or not it decreases or increases the overall uh, outcome of the downstream node. And then 
we also have the ability to look at and filter these relationships based on essentially a number of different categorizations. And we also have this relationship uh, labeled and annotated with an individual unique relationship identifier, as well as a finding identifier. And these will in turn allow you to perform additional filters. So for example, in the finding metadata, this can link you to the types of experiment So for example, in this type, you can see that quite a few of our pieces of data are from single cell RNA sequencing. We have data from affinity chromatography. We have data from immunoblots, Western blots, uh, various PCR experiments. Essentially anything a scientist can read to derive a relationship will be here. Then there's the question of how do you actually craft your queries? And for this, we have a number of examples just as a quick lookup to find out simple questions, such as how do you find the overall uh, drugs that might influence EGFR? So in this case, this is where we look at our drug target disease relationships, and we are pulling up EGFR as a target name. And we, by providing this simple SQL query, you can either use the original SQL, or if you prefer, you can also use SQL Alchemy. But either way, that query will get passed through the API into uh, our server, or alternately, uh, into the local database. Finally, we have a number of tutorial notebooks. And these tutorial notebooks can help you really get started with either Python or R, and also start looking at some of the more detailed topics. And then it also has some really nice uh, details for how to do graph export and work with Neo4j, or also how to perform some of the causal reasoning that I'll show today. And in that documentation, Something else that I want to be sure to point out is that we do have both information about the structure of the database, as well as this Python reference section. And this Python reference section is actually something that is incredibly handy because it helps give details for how to perform things like the causal network analysis, upstream regulator or downstream effect analyses and how to also look in IPA and integrate BKB with a local installation of IPA. So all of this information, again, is provided in the documentation. And if you shoot me an email, I'm more than happy to help to get you started. At this point, I do want to mention that there are two different ways that we can get started with BKB. One option is we can establish a connection to just a local uh, SQLite database. So in this case, I'm essentially uh, defining KB 
as this connection to SQLite, where I'd specify what the path is to my local copy. Or instead, you can also access it via API. And so when I run this cell in my Python environment, again, this is just using Jupyter Notebook. This will establish a connection. It will authenticate and perform single sign-on. And then once I have uh, that token locally stored, I'm able to then access the system and see exactly what kind of query limits I have remaining. So hopefully that gave you an idea of what kind of documentation is available and how to get started. Which means now uh, I'd like to go ahead and show how we can perhaps explore different metadata using SQL and taking advantage of this BKB API to perform a bit more of a lighter, uh, more delicate approach to accessing this data. So to start with, there's a number of different ways that we might want to query uh, different data. And one of those ways would be to try to browse our various ontology for genes or for disease. So for this initial query, this is where I want to show what the distinct entities are in our disease and function metadata. Essentially, what diseases or biological functions do we have where the name is similar to atopic dermatitis? In this case, I'm using SQL to perform the search. And SQL means that I select what I want to see in my results table. I choose where that data should come from. And then finally, I have a number of conditions that have to be matched. And in this case, the condition that has to be matched is the entity name has to be like atopic dermatitis with these two wildcard characters flanking it. And what that will give me is every that we have atopic dermatitis in the name, and we also have uh, that we have susceptibility to atopic dermatitis type 9. If you are performing a query like this, something that many users will ask is, is it possible to preview a query before running it? I know that when I'm crafting queries, I will often accidentally uh, query the entire database. And the answer is yes. When you create your query, rather than send that SQL query without any other parameters, you can also add this dry run function. And what this will do is it will check the query. It will give you the first five rows. And it will also let you know how many rows that query would actually download, as well as what is the size of the query result. So in this case, a query that's essentially getting two columns out of 26 entries is going to be 1.2 kilobytes, which is extremely small, uh, certainly like a thousandth of a megabyte. But this way, you can uh, keep track of all of the query information. And if you happen to be interested in other types of entries or diseases, you can always tweak these queries. 
So for example, if instead I want to count the number of times these entries appear, as opposed to looking at the distinct entries, I can always edit this query And when I do this, again, I can go ahead and make sure that this query uh, one actually runs and two, if it does, how much data is going to be returned. And here I can see that this query is going to return still a very small number of results and a very small amount of space. And as a perk, because I happen to be ordering my query by the most frequent entries, this is where I can see uh, how many times things show up in this disease and function metadata table. And they can show up in this hierarchy uh, because of the fact that many of these are going to be parents or subtypes. Now, if you are interested in a specific disease, let's say atopic dermatitis, the next thing that you'll likely want to do is look for specific information associated with atopic dermatitis. So here, because atopic dermatitis was the most general entry, I went ahead and took this entity ID and placed that information into this query below, where essentially I'm asking for this node to provide all of the relationships, in this case, all of the molecule disease and function relationships, essentially what genes, chemicals, proteins uh, interact and have an effect on atopic dermatitis. And when I run this query, this is where I am essentially asking for the relationship table to provide all of this back where the node two, in this case, the disease, might be this particular entry. And here in this resulting data frame, this is where I can see that one of the most frequently appearing genes is FKBP1A. I can see that IL-4 receptor and IL-13 are near the top. And then currently, this is showing things that correlate or are causal. And it's also splitting things into this relationship direction category. So at this point, if I wanted to be sure to get just the relationship information without having this affect the overall count, I can very easily remove these from the query. And here, I can go ahead and remove those statements and rerun this query. And again, when running these, you can always do a dry run of that query just to see how many rows are you returning and how much data is consumed. In this case, by adding a number of extra columns, you can see that we've increased the query size to 30 kilobytes kilobytes, but ultimately, uh, this is still 
a very lightweight way to browse. And then this is where we can go ahead and take advantage of additional metadata fields. So those molecule disease and function relationships have a number of different fields available to them. So in this case here, I'm showing that the relationship effect can be filtered for genes that increase. So this is where I'm requiring the node one type to be gene, the relationship effect to increase, and also the node two high level ID to still be atopic dermatitis. And when I perform that query, again, this can go ahead and pull all of those results. And it turns out there are eight uh, gene entries within BKB that are known to increase atopic dermatitis. So these directional items, these would be clear examples of genes or proteins that uh, have an effect on the disease in question. And if you want to explore the other types of relationships that are available, you can always go to this schema and data dictionary. And since we are looking at molecule disease and function relationships, we can pull up this table to see uh, how we can filter this further. So for example, I can see that I have the ability to look at specific uh, node one tissue or primary cells types. So here we have metadata terms like skin, tumor, liver, as well as some very specific terms. So if I want to filter these relationships, I can go ahead and copy this metadata field and add it to this query. So here, rather than looking for increasing relationships, I want to simply look for all known genes that interact with this in skin. And just to be sure, I am adding on this dry run function just to pull the top five results and see uh, how extensive this query would be. And so here we can see that we have a number of findings related to IL-31RA, CCR3, IL-20, PDK4, and eotaxin. And this is all knowledge that was obtained in skin. At this point, I want to go ahead and pause just to see if there are any questions in the Q&A box. And also, uh, if there are any additional topics that uh, maybe we should cover before moving forward. Thank you, Kyle. And what we'll do is we'll also take this opportunity to launch what we call speed poll just to see that if we are moving at a good pace, do you want us to go faster, slower, uh, anything of that nature. And to our audience, uh, we apologize. The chat was initially dis disabled, but it is enabled now. 
So either through Q&A or chat, you can submit your questions or any suggestions or whatever you like. In terms of questions, this is something you briefly covered, Kyle, but uh, you noted that like not everyone is at the same level, right? Like for SQLite, you know, there are some people who call themselves intermediate users. There are others who say that, okay, we have not used that before, but we can learn it with uh, ease. And then there are others who said that it will take us a while to learn. So in terms of trainings and tutorial, what would be your suggestions to these users? That's a great question. Um, to be honest, the way that I taught myself how to use BKB was I took advantage of many of those example notebooks and uh, queries. So if I go to the tutorial section, for example, this is where I can find things like the Python introduction notebook, which I'll load here as a static web page, or this explorer gene or disease notebook. And when I load these examples, this is where I can clearly see uh, descriptions of what these queries are, as well as uh, details for how to search for uh, things and get started. That said, uh, none of this uh, happens in a vacuum. So as you're working through these example notebooks, if you get stuck, please email tech support or email me personally uh, so I can try to help you out. All right. So as Kyle very nicely mentioned, you guys have plenty of resources here on the Kaijin side. And then, of course, if what you want is a bit advanced in nature, where perhaps you just want our team to do a whole bunch of queries and provide it to you or build tools based on BKB for various applications for which you voted in the earlier poll, then what I'm doing again is pasting the services uh, link over here. Uh, could you do a demonstrations of which chemical natural products as treatment or having an effect that are related to a particular disease? Uh, that answer is going to be yes. So again, all of these queries are very easy to modify. So what I'm doing here is I just want to go ahead and check uh, for those relationships. And in this case, the question was uh, looking at various chemicals uh, from this molecule database and how they might relate to diseases and functions. So if I was looking for a very specific drug target disease relationship, I might use the more specific table, but I can also use this general table, see what type of nodes I have. And in this case, I see I have gene, chemical, and other. And then once I have that, this is where I can go ahead and change this existing query, remove some of these additional filters, and I'll perform a dry run first just to see what information we have. So I can see that there would be 154 uh, rows. I can see a number of these drugs uh, which have known uh, direct, or excuse me, which have known causal uh, decreasing effects on atopic dermatitis. And if I want to go ahead and return this as a data frame, I can go ahead and assign the result to a variable, which I'm just going to call result, get rid of the dry run. And this way, when I perform the full query, I can then subsequently manipulate the output 
because it's stored locally in this variable. And so this is where I can see examples of all of the different chemicals. I can also, if I want, load the information in additional tools. So here I'm currently using VS Code. So I have access to uh, a number of different tools such as Data Wrangler. So this is where I can go ahead and say, identify and look at the distribution of the citations or the number of findings. I can also filter these to say, let's say I'm only interested in things that uh, increase. So that would be where I'm able to use this tool to manipulate these various items. All right, and to the attendee and others who might have similar questions, feel free to reach out to us. You know, we are happy to set up uh, separate demos for you for specific questions that you might have, or at least the ones we can easily address like Kyle did uh, on the spot right now. And Kyle, looking at time, I think I'm going to hand it back to you because you might have a bit more to go over. So we wanna make sure that you have sufficient time to do so. And to our attendees, please continue pasting questions in Q&A box. Awesome, thank you. So at this point, I hopefully have introduced you to kind of the groundwork for how you can browse around BKB and figure out what metadata is there, uh, what ontologies exist, and what tables should I look in. So with that, let's have a little bit of fun. So in my own research, I've discovered that IGHE uh, happens to be involved in quite a few uh, immune responses, as you can imagine. Um, so because of that, I want to go ahead and see what other genes or proteins this, uh, this gene interacts with. And so to get that answer, this is where I have to perform a slightly more advanced query. But again, SQL makes this relatively easy. So here, let's say we have the molecule-molecule uh, relationships. And here I'm using the aggregated table, which happens to summarize and condense down uh, otherwise redundant or duplicated entries. Duplicate is a bad word here. What I really mean is, as you can imagine, we have gene information across species. We have many orthologs. We have many uh, layers to which these genes and chemicals can be organized. So this aggregated table helps summarize and condense that information. And we can go ahead and make sure that we're looking at the high level name of these items or results. And whenever we're looking at the relationship between, say, two different genes, proteins, or chemicals, we can either have that relationship be where my gene in question is node A, or we might have a situation where that gene or chemical is instead node B. So because of that, we have to check both possibilities to see uh, whether or not we have these relationships. So that's why this query is looking 
for this particular relationship where IGHE is either node one or IGHE is node two. And then I'm just simply taking the union of those two and combining them together. So again, slightly more advanced, but overall not particularly complex. And this is where I'm able to generate all of the connections between IGHE and other molecules. Now, let's say I want to, again, combine that query with an additional layer. And here, this is where I want to find the intermediate connections between IGHE and atopic dermatitis. So the reason that I built that original query was so I could look at IGHE, find the various nodes that it might connect to, And then ultimately, I can then see how atopic dermatitis might connect to its own nodes. So what I need to do is essentially find the connections between these that are shared. In other words, I need to perform an intersection and make sure that I obtain these results. So to do that, as I just mentioned, we're going to perform the combination of both the query that I just ran, which gave me all of the connections off of IGHE, and then I'm going to intersect it with the essentially previous query where I'm looking for all of the molecule disease functions that are directly off of atopic dermatitis. And by running this, I'm able to go ahead and save the result to this intermediate node variable. This is where you can see that I have 20 intermediates that are between IgHE and atopic dermatitis. And then here I can show that just in case this is still a very small query. In fact, it's half a kilobase, half a kilobyte, excuse me. The final thing that I want to show in this section is how easy it is to export that into IPA, to create a brand new pathway from scratch. And this is where I'm taking advantage of one of the built-in BKB functions to create a new pathway in IPA. And here, I'm just specifying that the gene IDs have to be those intermediate nodes. So just to show what those intermediate nodes are, I'm just going to quickly paste that and show that these are the 20 entries that showed up in our search. And when I run this, this will load Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. It does need to be open already. And then once that happens, IPA will go ahead and take that network, generate those connections. And this is where we have access to all of these network creation tools where we can browse exactly how does IGHE connect with these other things on screen. And this is where you can see that our knowledge base has a number of different pieces of information. For example, if I want to know how FCER1A 
is connected to PRKCB. This is where I can double click this line and find out that evidently this is involved in a translocation. So PRKCB translocates to the plasma membrane uh, based on the activity of this protein. And I can always pull up the underlying relationship and the underlying citations, whether I'm looking at the immunoblot or the immunofluorescent confocal microscopy that led to that finding. Or if I would rather load that in BKB, that would also be possible using the findings tables. Also, as I mentioned, the relationships here are directional and causal. So we are able to ask questions like, how does a given drug like uh, methylprednisolone affect this system? And so within ingenuity pathway analysis, this is where I can go ahead and simulate increases or decreases in activity and see the resulting network. So here, by simulating an increase in this particular drug, I am able to see the resulting downstream effects where I can see that some genes are predicted to increase in activity, but most things are predicted to decrease in activity in response to that compound. So again, just to summarize, it's possible to very easily link BKB up with IPA. So you can use BKB to perform advanced queries and then easily trans transfer that data into a more friendly interface that has the same underlying data. So now at this point, I'm going to transfer to the second part of today's training. So at first, we used the BKB API in order to just explore the metadata to look at different relationships and build networks uh, very quickly using SQL queries. Now we're going to rely more heavily on some of the built-in functions to perform more advanced analytics. And this is going to take advantage of the full BKB database as downloaded. So in order to perform causal analytics, it is necessary to access a local copy of the SQL database. So this is where BKB makes it possible to both access this data remotely via API or locally from SQLite. And at this point, this is where we can go ahead and take the results from before and when I load these into this function, I can perform this upstream regulator analysis. And this particular function, if I go to the documentation, will allow me to set genes or identifiers that are increasing, genes or identifiers that are expected to decrease in my comparison. I can set my reference universe size, and then finally, I can apply any number of filters to control the results. So in this case, I am requiring that any knowledge that I search 
has to have a relationship tissue or primary cell name of skin. So even though we have millions of findings in our database, I'm only considering those where the relationship was obtained in skin. And this is where I can identify and show a number of upstream regulators that appear to influence the disease uh, in question, or in this case, seem to influence uh, the effect seen when we increased uh, methylprednisolone in our network. So here, some of the top results by p-value overlap of enrichment are going to be RxRA and RxRB, but we can also sort these results by z-score. And z-score is our way of showing our confidence in the prediction. So in other words, if we want to focus on just one of these items, it's possible to go ahead and load the resulting data. And we can always resort this information by z-score. And so here, RELB and CISP8 are the strongest predicted to be active genes, while way at the bottom, we are going to find TNF, IL-13, and STAT-6 to be the most confidently predicted to be inhibited genes in response to this drug. And if we want to visualize any of these in a network, it is, again, very easy to go ahead and create that uh, result and export it using a number of built-in functions. So here, for example, I'm showing that we have the ability to export this network using network X, a Python package. And this will allow us to very quickly and easily draw those connections. Or if we want to use a more advanced tool, uh, it's also possible to use uh, Y files for Jupyter Notebook. And so here, this is where we can go ahead and identify and show different connections on screen. And depending on the data, you can also annotate these nodes very extensively. In addition to looking upstream, we can also look at the downstream consequences of this drug. And this is where from, from our list of genes that increased and decreased, I can go ahead and easily show what the downstream effects are. In this case, this query does take a little bit longer to run, but this is where I can see that I have a list of all of these downstream effects that occur because of increased uh, drug activity. And I can also very easily plot these results in a manner very similar to IPA, where I can see that that drug in particular does seem to have a strong prediction to decrease dermatitis disease activity. In addition, it is likely to decrease allergy activity and inflammation activity, both of which are desirable outcomes. 
the causal network analysis is where we can identify potential regulatory cascades. Essentially, if we have a suspected upstream regulator from the downstream genes or proteins that are present in my list or analysis, I can glue networks together. So in addition to looking at this network, I might ask how is an additional network influencing this particular set of genes? And then is there a master regulator that might control these things? And so this is where I can perform that causal network analysis, again, within BKB. And once I've obtained these results, which should be just a matter of seconds, because I'm filtering based just on the relationships present in skin, there will be a number of findings that I can then browse. Here I can see MAP kinase 8 appears as one of the options. I can see RxRB, CASB4. I can see exactly what the predicted activity scores are of these items. And here I'm plotting MAP kinase 8 to see what those relationships are. And in this case, this is where I can see that MAP kinase 8 is predicted to activate ERK. Uh, CTN NB1, and then decrease AKT1 and AP1. And then from there, this will affect a second layer of regulators, such as caspate, RAC1, CSF2, and PLCG1. So overall, what I just showed was a number of ways to perform the causal analytics using built-in BKB functions. So rather than relying on a tool like IPA, it's possible to do all of this systematically and programmatically from within BKB. So what does that mean in terms of the big picture and what you are able to accomplish? With BKB, there's no limit to the number of tools that you can combine the data with. So here I just showed some very basic examples of networks and graphs in Python, but you can also create rich and complex knowledge graphs uh, in built-in tools like Y-Files, or you can use more advanced tools like Neo4j. Here I'm showing an example of a Y-Files uh, plot with BKB data, looking at how a particular drug influences downstream genes and diseases and what those relationship types are. It's possible to perform these analyses iteratively. A very common question that bioinformaticists might have is, what if I want to know how every single gene influences a disease? Or what if you want to know how to find the common downstream targets of all of the differentially uh, regulated genes from a project. BKB makes it possible to take all of those gene lists and analyze them in bulk 
systematically and find those intersections to evaluate those biomarkers and drug targets. In this case, I'm showing the potential mechanism of action of dupilumab for atopic dermatitis. Finally, BKB, in terms of its data, is the cleanest, best relationship data that you can get for any kind of biology research because it's manually curated. Because we've had 20 years to build this knowledge base, it means that you would have an incredible head start on training your AI models or integrating that data into your own organization's data lakes or applications. So overall, I hope that today gave you a good understanding of what's possible with BKB. And also, again, I invite you to get started and reach out if you need any help whatsoever. With that, I want to go ahead and turn the floor back over to Dev and see if we have any additional questions or if the audience wants to ask any questions uh, of our product manager, Venki, who is on the call. Thank you, Kyle. And while you guys are here, really appreciate your feedback in the last poll that we are launching specially for question number two. I'm sorry, I just came up with it. These are the typical sentiments of different people we have interacted with, but we really want to know like, you know, how you feel after this webinar. Also, um, while Kyle gave a wonderful introduction and some really good use cases, I bet that, you know, it's not one shoe fit all, right? So one thing I want to point out is our product manager, Venki, he has provided recording to another webinar that was uh, Neo4j, BKB, and Pharma use cases. And I'm pasting the link to the recording in the chat box. Just like for this webinar, you'll have to fill up some information, but after that, you should be able to view the recording. And if not, just let us know. And last but not least, it's very common for some of our attendees to provide like written feedback, you know, things they liked about the webinar, things that they want to see in future webinars, uh, perhaps things we need to change. So for that, I am also providing a SurveyMonkey link here as well. Um, Kyle, so one of the things that we have experienced, we would be the fast team is uh, many times, you know, as you noted, like earlier on, people are new to BKB, but they have also not used IPA before, right? And then like when you open up various BKB files, then there are going to be different columns with different types of abbreviations that describe relationship. So what would be your suggestion for those type of people who have questions, specific questions like, hey, what is this column? What is this abbreviation? Uh, what does, you know, say something just says expression, what does that mean? That's a great question. So to answer that, I think you have a few different options. If you are, in fact, using both BKB and IPA, the ontology, the metadata is cross-compatible. It's the same vocabulary. So say, for example, you are in IPA and you want to know about, you know, what does this relationship type mean? Or what do these features mean? You can always, in IPA, take advantage of the extensive documentation to pull up things like the legend or uh, the various help documents that help explain exactly what these nodes are and what these relationship types uh, mean. However, in addition, you can also instead pull up the BKB documentation, which here, let's say I want to look up a particular relationship type. 
And this is where I can go ahead and search for, say, specific terms like relationship effect, relationship type. And I can find all of those details within the documentation. Wonderful. And now for next series of questions, Kyle, I propose that you answer, uh, you know, uh, everything from your perspective. And then if Venki has additional details that Venki wants to share, then we open up the floor for him as well. And just for our audience, Venki is the product manager uh, for BKB. He's one of the people who has been driving this product, uh, bringing significant improvements in it and whatnot. So uh, how are gene variants captured in BKB? That is a really interesting question. And the answer is we have extensive metadata, uh, extensive metadata tables focusing just on those variations and the variant types. But because Venki is on the call, uh, I'm going to turn that one over to him. Thanks, Kyle. So yeah, I can give um, another perspective. So uh, as you've uh, learned on this webinar, our data is organized in a hierarchy uh, in the ontology. And so uh, we have a gene hierarchy in which we arrange a lot of different uh, information and we uh, hierarchically organize it under that gene uh, hierarchy. And so any gene variants or isoforms and such will be organized under that hierarchy. So if you can imagine, let's say hypothetically, there is a BRCA1 gene and if there are variants of it, we would organize it under the BRCA1 node, for instance. And so you would be able to query for those variants or any isoforms or any other uh, potential um, variants of that particular gene and then how they relate to certain other entities within uh, what you see on, on screen here. You are able to search that through uh, leveraging that hierarchy. Thank you. Another thing we get asked, it, it seems that a lot of data in this database, of, it's also offered by uh, public sphere. Why can't we just train an AI to go out and collect the same data? So I'm going to answer that from uh, the academic scientist perspective. Uh, since uh, many of us have been through grad school, many of us have done our own sequencing experiments. And that means we've all had to upload those results to GEO, to the supplemental materials of a data set uh, or a publication. And I know that when I was creating my metadata tables, I was doing a K562 chip seek. I dragged and dropped in Excel, and all of a sudden, my samples were labeled K563, K564, K565. A scientist can detect that and fix that on the spot, but a machine learning or AI algorithm is not going to realize that that's a mistake and not a deliberate uh, choice of using different cell lines. And it turns out that those mistakes are present in about a third of every uh, piece of data that we look at and manually curate. I agree. And I think just to add, right, we've seen this, even in our experience, we've looked at data that uh, uh, gets mined, text mined through NLP methods. And you'll see it often uh, conflates or uh, does not handle uh, disambiguation very well, right? You'll see author first names, last names being misinterpreted as genes. And so, We've seen that happen. So um, 
is uh, at or a sufficiently given time span, maybe another five, 10 years, maybe NLP methods may get better. But until then, you would need um, manual uh, curation in order to ensure the highest quality of the data. You'll certainly uh, want to benchmark whatever uh, method you create with manually curated data just to see whether or not you're reaching that uh, level of accuracy and precision. All right. And I know we are 10 minutes over, but we'll take two more questions real quick just to make sure all questions are answered. And then we'll call it a day. And uh, if any of you feel that your question was not answered, uh, we did provide you with some resources. It's in the slides. Just reach out to us and we are happy to do a follow-up as well. How do you handle conflicting findings from literature? So uh, one of the things that I really like is uh, when browsing IPA and when browsing BKB, they're all curated the same. Uh, so in if there is a difference or a conflict in the field, then that means that ultimately uh, big numbers should win out. But we want to make sure that you have access to all of the data and with that as much criteria as possible so you can filter to see is there say a cell type specific context that uh, matters for why a particular experiment had a different outcome. All right, and last one is we have a license to IPA, why can't we just use that to do the same thing? The answer really depends on what level of automation do you want to get out of uh, these uh, these data and these tools? So ingenuity pathway analysis, there are a number of ways to really speed up how you use it, such as the ability to batch upload or the ability to use uh, an API to create upload and kickoff analyses. But if instead, you're more interested in looking at those relationships systematically. If instead you want to use the data for a much more specific purpose, or if you want to use the underlying data and create your own metrics. Uh, so I have a lot of customers who are interested in creating their own uh, correlation scores or their own confidence values. And rather than trust IPA, they'd rather do the math themselves. That's what BKB lets you do. And I'm sure Venki has more ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, it, again, it goes back to how we see these products. We've um, wanted to uh, have a solution for the data scientists, bioinformaticians who wanted access to the data directly, right? And don't want to necessarily be uh, limited by what IPA can and uh, can do and provide. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to uh, offer the data directly. And of course, as we, we've seen recently, there are uh, new uh, machine learning methods and, and other algorithms that have come up that you'd rather have access to the data directly. And so that's why we want to offer that and we'll um, continue to update both of these solutions. So ultimately, as Kyle mentioned, it comes down to what are your objectives? Um, and often what we see is there's uh, in any given pharma biotech organization, there are uh, there are users of both uh, kinds, right? Biologists who 
biologists and bioinformaticians who want to rather use um, a graphic user interface to uh, do explorative analysis. And then there are also uh, data scientists and other bioinformaticians who would rather have access to the data. So it really, you got to choose your poison uh, the way I see it. And just expanding on that answer, imagine you're working uh, as a small team uh, where you have a biologist come up with a really cool idea and they show you that network in IPA. Their question might be, hey, what other genes have, what other genes do this? Do we have any other ways to repurpose this? And those answers might uh, be best addressed in BKB because then rather than trying to manually recreate that network for every single gene or for every single disease, you can instead use BKB to just programmatically loop through all of your criteria. Wonderful. So sorry to everyone. We did go 15 minutes over, but we wanted to make sure we answer as many questions as we can. As mentioned a couple of times, the slides are in the chat box. Feel free to download, uh, reach out to us using the email addresses on the very first slide. Also, there's a SurveyMonkey link. We would really appreciate your written feedback. I see that some of you guys have already written and submitted the feedback. So uh, many, many thanks to those of you and those of you who did not, feel free to use the link and also appreciate all the feedback you have provided through uh, polls and whatnot. So again, let don't let this be the last interaction we have. Reach out to us with questions, feedback, et cetera, et cetera. And we hope to see you guys in future trainings. And many, many thanks to Kyle for putting together this wonderful uh, presentation. Uh, Venki, the product manager for BKB for being here and answering all the questions. Tim, Brittany, Nicole, and Chris, additional Kaijin staff for being here and helping out with various things. Really appreciate all your help. All right, thank you.